The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. You know, one of my favorite Christmas movies is, of course, the Charlie Brown Christmas special. One of my favorite movies. And there's one part of that movie that is like an icon that you could summarize the entire movie with this one thing. It's the Charlie Brown tree. And if you've ever seen the Charlie Brown movie, then, then anytime you see that tree, even if it's just all by itself, you know, oh, that's the Charlie Brown tree. And so here's how this plays out in the movie. Charlie Brown has been assigned to direct the play for all the kids. It's going terrible. No one's listening to Charlie Brown, and it gets to a place where Lucy um, takes over. No surprise there. She can be a little bossy. And she tells Charlie Brown to go get a Christmas tree for their Christmas play. Now, she specifies what kind of tree she's expecting. She says, go get an aluminum tree that fits the modern Christmas spirit. And if it can be pink, that would be ideal. That's what Lucy tells him. And so off Charlie Brown goes with his best friend, uh, Linus. He goes to the tree stand, and here's what happens. Check it out. This really brings Christmas close to a person. Fantastic. Gee, do they still make wooden Christmas trees? This little green one here seems to need a home. I don't know, Charlie Brown. Remember what Lucy said? This doesn't seem to fit the modern spirit. I don't care. We'll decorate it, and it'll be just right for our play. Besides, I think it needs me. One of my favorite lines in the entire movie is when Linus looks at the little tree and says, I didn't know they still made wooden Christmas trees. I love that line. And so Charlie Brown sees the tree. He says, oh, I think it needs me. He takes it up. Of course, half the needles fall off, and he takes it back. And and that's the beginning of the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. And it becomes like an icon for this entire entire movie. And it really has kind of captured hearts. It's kind of been something that's endearing for generations, this little tree. And I think there's something about that tree that struck a chord with uh, our culture for generations. And I, I think there's something in it that it's communicating that we connect with. In fact, I think there's something about that humble, little, broken tree, that little, forgotten, overlooked tree I think there's something about that little tree that is communicating the whole message of Christmas. There's a passage in the book of Micah. It's one that was written about 700 years before Jesus was born as that little baby in Bethlehem. And it says something powerful and kind of speaks to this idea. I just want to read you a couple verses tonight from Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Let me just read this to you. It's going to be up here on the screens. Here's what it says. But you... O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, 
From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor is given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. Here's what God says through Micah 700 years before Jesus is born. He's promising that there's going to be a ruler who's going to arrive on the scene. And this ruler, it says something interesting about this ruler. It says a ruler is going to be born, but this is a ruler from ancient days. So in other words, this is a a ruler that's been promised for generations, for hundreds, for thousands of years. This is not just a ruler. This is the ruler. But it describes what this ruler is going to be like. So what's this ruler? Is this going to be this uh, uh, cold-hearted, self-centered, dictator-type ruler? What's this ruler going to be like? And Micah goes on to describe, no, this ruler is going to be a shepherd. He's going to have a shepherd's heart. He's going to want to care for his people. He's going to be for his people. He's going to want to see them thrive and provide for them. It says that, another thing it says about this ruler is that they will dwell secure in their land. This is a ruler who's going to be so great, so wise, so powerful that if you live under this ruler's reign, you have nothing to worry about. You dwell secure. And what's interesting about this incredible ruler that is supposed to come is it says in this this little detail, 700 years before Jesus is born, it's promised where this ruler is going to be born. It's going to be born in Bethlehem. Now that's a a town that we all now are so familiar with, especially around Christmas time. We're familiar with the, the name Bethlehem. But at this time, Bethlehem is this small, humble, overlooked, and forgotten little village. And what God is saying is something great is going to come out of this humble, little, overlooked and forgotten village. In fact, there's another thing it says about this. There's one last thing I want to read out of Micah 5. Just one phrase it says about this ruler. He says, And he shall be their peace. This ruler shall be their peace. Now, what does that mean? What kind of peace will this ruler bring? We use peace in all different kinds of ways, don't we? We have all different meanings for the word peace. So, so let's say you're in from out of town, you're, you're here and you're staying with some family down here, or maybe you're the family that's hosting family and friends from out of town, and, and, or maybe in the next couple days all your family's going to get together and there's going to be cousins everywhere. There's going to be uncles and aunts and, and grandparents, and there's going to be cousins that you didn't even know you were related to. Okay, everyone's going to be in the house. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be fun. But it's going to be anything other than peace and quiet. See, sometimes when we talk about peace, the way we mean peace is like quiet, the absence of noise. That's one way we use peace. There's other ways we use this word peace. We use peace sometimes as in like a ceasefire, like they had peace talks, like two enemies that lay down their weapons. That they made peace. That's another way we use peace. There's another way we use peace. Sometimes we use peace to mean like something that's calming and soothing. So I, I grew up down here in South Florida, but 
I went to school up in the Midwest, and I had seen snow before, but I had never lived through snow before. And I was in college in northern Indiana, and I'll, I'll always remember the first time it really snowed. And that first winter, it was a shock to my South Floridian system. Okay, we got, we got feet of snow that first winter. But I remember the first time it snowed, and I went to the, the, the window. I was just going to open the blinds. I was studying in my dorm room, and I opened up the blinds, and I looked out, and there were just it, it snuck up on me quietly. It was this huge, chunky flakes just quietly, silently floating down from the sky. And I rushed outside. I got my, my coat on, and I got like my scarf and a hat. And, and since it was like freezing out there, I mean, it was colder than 60 degrees. So it's freezing to me, okay? I put another coat on, okay, another scarf. I run outside. I remember I just stood out in what was a lawn, and now it was this perfectly smooth blanket of snow, pristine. And it was like the snow had smoothed out the whole landscape. It had covered all the trees and covered all the bushes and covered the ground and covered the roofs. And I stood around just all these chunky flakes just falling around all around me silently. I remember just thinking, man, it is so peaceful out here. We use peace in all different kinds of ways, sometimes soothing and calming or a ceasefire or peace and quiet. So what kind of peace is this ruler going to bring? What kind of peace is it talking about? It says, okay, of all the things, he's going to be, this ruler's going to be a shepherd, he's going to bring security, but he's also going to bring peace. Well, this is originally written in Hebrew, and the Hebrew word for peace is the word shalom. And shalom is one of the most important words in the Hebrew language. It's a word that we translate peace, but the meaning is so much deeper and richer than our word for peace. It takes all of our uses for peace, puts them all together, and adds more. The word shalom means like making all the broken pieces come together and be complete. The word shalom means this complete, vibrant, rich, holistic wellness. It's like taking all the things that are wrong and making them right and making them vibrant. Shalom is a powerful word, and what the promise is here is that this king, this ruler, will bring not just like a ceasefire, the absence of conflict, this ruler will bring shalom. He will make everything right in the world. In fact, it doesn't just say he will bring shalom. It says he will be their shalom. That is an unbelievable promise. That is humongous expectations. This ruler is going to make everything right, take all the broken pieces and bring them together. That is an unbelievable promise about that baby that's going to be born one day in Bethlehem, according to Micah. You know, there's an interesting part of the movie, uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas special movie, and there's an interesting dynamic of what that movie did to our society culturally. I was reading an article written by uh, an antiques expert. And this uh, antiques expert actually had been a curator on the Antique Roadshow, really knows her stuff. And she had done a study on the aluminum Christmas tree, which was a fad in the 60s. In fact, here's an, an ad from the 60s for the aluminum tree. You could see it was, it was uh, made of metal and had all these, these bright needles on it. They were all different colors, white, silver. You could get them in pink. Some of them were made, and you could put them on a box, and it would slowly rotate the tree around so you could see it from all angles in your living room. 
They had a little spotlight you could shine up on it, and there was a color wheel, a translucent color wheel that would spin and shine different colors on your tree. And it was a huge fad starting about 1959. It was a part of this drive to be this, this modern society like the Jetsons or whatever. And so there was this huge fad starting in 1959. It said it hit its peak in 1965 and sharply began to decline. And this expert said why that happened. She said one of the biggest reasons was because the Charlie Brown Christmas special came out that Christmas. And people were watching and seeing Linus knocking on this aluminum tree and hearing the hollow sound. And that they all looked around at these aluminum trees and Charlie Brown says, that's not what Christmas is all about. And he finds this broken little tree and he says, this is it. Something about that little Charlie Brown tree just had, I mean, it's had a cultural effect. It's a phenomenon. What about that little tree has captured our hearts? What is it, what is it resonating with inside of us? I wonder if it's that there's something that happens at Christmas time that we look at that little tree and we identify with. I wonder if it's that at Christmas time, there's something real and genuine and broken. There's broken things in our life. But Christmas has a way of taking those broken things and just throwing some tinsel at it, wrapping some lights around it, and making it look as if it's all okay. But it really feels very artificial. You know, it's like in in our relationships. Maybe there's broken relationships. You say, you know, in this season we get the whole family together and the expectation is everyone comes together, we all get along, and we just, you know, we're supposed to just have peace and we're supposed to have this Norman Rockwell kind of family gathering where everyone gets along. But the reality is, even though that's the expectation, the reality is maybe there's hurt and brokenness in those family relationships. But Christmas has a way of trying to just paint over that just for a month and make it seem like everything's okay. Maybe we have these gift exchanges we're giving to people we know, people we live near, or people we work with, and we're doing that, but really underneath the surface, what we really feel, we're just lonely. And all the wrapped packages and the boxes can't just decorate that. It just feels artificial. I wonder if there's all the parties and all the celebrations and, and, and all the good food and all that stuff in the holiday season, and I wonder if it's just our attempt to distract ourselves for a season when what we really feel is there's some brokenness, there's some hurt, there's some parts of our lives that seem like they've been overlooked and forgotten. There's parts of us that we're saying, you know, all of this, but I am really, I'm grieving right now, or I'm broken, or I'm hurting right now. And I wonder if there's something that we look at that little tree and we identify with and say, look, I, just, I don't just want something artificial and fake and dressed up. I just want something that's real, and that, that's where I'm at. You know, that tree is this humble, broken little tree, but it's communicating something about the message of Christmas. Think of this story. It's like Bethlehem. This humble, little, forgotten, overlooked village. But out of that village is going to come something incredible, a ruler that's been promised from ancient times. It's that baby in the manger. It's this humble little baby that if it wasn't for angels telling shepherds or a star directing wise men would have been completely overlooked and forgotten. This little helpless baby that can barely hold up his, his own head because he's an infant and can do nothing for himself. But you realize there's greatness that's gonna come from that little baby. It's not just a baby, it's God in the flesh putting himself in a little baby. 
Um, the story is about these, these little, broken, overlooked, forgotten things, and God makes something magnificent out of it. He puts all the broken pieces back together. He makes everything right. But what if that was a message that could be for our lives too? What if the message of Christmas, if there's one thing you could hear from, from this passage in Micah, it's this message that's for you. That he wants to take, God wants to bring shalom and peace back into your life. You say, well, how in the world would that happen? How does that baby born 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, how does Jesus affect the fact that there's broken pieces in my life right now? Let me just read these verses to you, just two verses in the New Testament in the book of Colossians. Here's what it says, Colossians 1, verse 19. It says, for in him, that's Jesus, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. See, here's what Jesus did. Jesus, that little baby, the king of kings, born in, that, that, in Bethlehem, in that manger, he, when he grew up to be a man, he was God in the flesh, but he allowed himself to be crucified. They placed him on a tree. And his, he was humiliated. He was God in the flesh, and yet they treated him like a criminal. He was humiliated. His body was absolutely broken. They beat him and they killed him. They executed him by putting nails through his wrists and through his feet, hanging on that cross. And even God himself, because he was taking all of our sin on him, God the Father, he turned away and, God, and Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was abandoned and overlooked and forgotten. But on the third day, he rose again from the dead. And here's what he was doing. He was making peace. The blood of his cross was making peace. He was making peace between you and God. And all the things in our lives that make us feel like we're so far from God, we must have disappointed God, God must be angry. He's saying, no, you're missing it. I want to make peace with you. And so I purchased peace by the Son of God, Jesus, dying on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins. He says, he's paid for your sins. I'm offering you forgiveness. Just receive forgiveness. I want to make peace with you today. He wants to make peace with us. And then once we make peace with him by our sins getting forgiven by, because of Jesus, then he says, now I want you to let me rule your life. Let me be your ruler, your king. Let me be your God. Let, just surrender your life and let me bring shalom. Let me take the broken pieces and bring them back together. You say, well, how does God do that? Well, he does it as your ruler not as your servant. What do you mean? It means he's, he's going to do it on his terms and his way because he knows what's best. My wife, Rebecca, and I, we have a friend who is a chef, an amazing chef. And he, uh, we, we knew him and we had tasted his food before. We'd actually never been to his restaurant. So I texted him one day and said, hey, we're going to come tonight to your restaurant. We're so excited to, to visit and taste your food right there in the restaurant. He says, oh, okay, great. And so we show up and, and um, you know, we're dressed all nice. It's going to be a fun date. And they, he, we get the, the server hands us the menus and we're looking and trying to decide what we're going to do. And all of a sudden he comes out from the kitchen and he comes to our table. And at this point we feel like we are VIP. Okay, the chef is here visiting our table. We're like waving to the people around us. Yeah, this is the chef right here. And he says, um, okay, here's the thing, man, I'm so glad you're here. He says, here's the thing. Um, you can order off the menu if you want, but what I'd love to do is just let me cook for you. 
And I'm like, man, that's great. You know, we just handed him the, the menus, and so we just let him do his thing. I had no idea what he was going to bring, and, and he just sent out these little tastes of things. And, and one dish after the next, he kept bringing them out, and each dish was even more incredible than the one before. But they would have never been something I would have ever ordered off the menu. But it was the best decision. It was one of the best meals we have ever had. And the reason that that was a good idea to just let him do his thing is because it's his restaurant, they're his ingredients. They're his recipes. It, it's, it's all his. He's the expert. Just let him do his thing. See, here's how it works with God. We say, God, you are God. I, I, I would be foolish to not let you be God in my life. You own everything. It's all yours. You're the expert. You, you made me. You, this is my life. This is your world. So I'm going to surrender. I'm going to do things your way. I'm going to let you do your thing. And even though you're going to do things differently than I would have ordered, you're going to do things in different ways at different timing. I'm just going to trust you and let you do your thing. I wonder if you're here today and, and maybe you say, you know what, I, I've been following Jesus for most of my life. Maybe you say, I, I would call myself a Christian but I wonder if there's something that you just simply need to surrender to him. Maybe there's part that you're saying, yes, but this I think I can do better than you, God. And he's saying, let, let me be God in your life. I am God. Surrender. Or maybe you're here and you say, look, I feel a thousand miles away from God. You don't know the things I've, I've done, I've said, uh, how I've positioned myself. I'm nowhere near God. He's saying this to you today. He's saying, I want to make peace. I made peace on the cross. I paid for your sins. I forgive you. I I want to make peace with you tonight. And you can do that. You can just simply receive the fact that he forgave you. Jesus paid the penalty for your sins. You can simply just receive that forgiveness today and make peace with God and then just say, God, here's my life. I surrender. You know, the movie uh, Charlie Brown, it, it ends and, um, with, this, with this crescendo. And it's all around that little tree. But there's one hinge in the whole movie. It's one moment where everything's going one way and then one thing happens and everything changes. What happens is Charlie Brown brings his little, humble, broken, overlooked, forgotten tree and he brings it and he places it in front of all the kids where they're practicing for the play and they are brutal to Charlie Brown. They're calling him names. They actually just laugh out loud at Charlie Brown and leaves. Even Snoopy laughs at Charlie Brown and they trail out laughing at his tree. In exasperation, he says, man, can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? And his best friend Linus is standing right there and he says, well, I can tell you what Christmas is about. And he walks over to the side and he just quotes a scripture. He just says something straight from the Bible and he's quoting what the angels said when they were declaring that the, the, the Christ had been born, when there's a Savior, Christ the Lord, born in Bethlehem. And he ends with the song that the angels sing and he quotes it. He says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace goodwill towards men. He walks over to Charlie Brown and says, that's what Christmas is all about. And the entire movie changes after that. Charlie Brown walks over, he picks up his little tree with a smile on his face and he walks out and all the kids follow him after that. And this is what happens. I've killed it. Oh, everything I touch gets ruined. such a bad little tree. It's not bad at all, really. 
Maybe it just needs a little love. Charlie Brown is a blockhead, but he did get a nice tree. Don't you love how um, they, they drew the tree after their frenzied little hands picked up all those ornaments and put them on the tree? Okay, it's, this is the tree, okay, this sparse little tree, and then when they're done, I mean, that is not the same tree, okay? Where did all those needles come from, okay? It's, this, it's not just a decorated sparse tree. I mean, it's like this miraculous transformation that happens in that little huddle right there. And I love what that's communicating. It's not just a dressed up tree that's still broken, is it? It is a miraculously transformed tree that's made whole. That's the message of Christmas. Here's what God is saying to every single one here today. He's saying, I want to make peace with you. Jesus came, this ruler, this shepherd, to bring security, but to be your shalom. He says, I want to make peace. If you're here and your perspective is that God is standing back, just tapping his foot and shaking his head and wagging a finger saying, no, this person's too far gone. I'm mad at them. They're, they're far away from me. He's saying, no, that is not the message. He's saying, my hands are open. My arms are open. He's saying, I want to make peace. I purchased peace at a great price. Jesus hanging on a tree, crucified to pay for your sins. I want to make peace today. And he's saying, and, and after you make peace, he's saying, surrender your life. I want to bring shalom into your life. I want to take the broken pieces and put them back together. And I want to do that on my own terms. I want to do that in a way because I know best. He's saying, I want to bring peace. Maybe here today, for you, today is your time to just draw a line in the sand and say, okay, I'm ready to make it right with God. I want to know for sure that I'm saved. I want to know that I'm forgiven. I'm tired of running. I'm trying to do, tired of doing this life my way. I'm just, I'm ready to make peace. Oh, what do I do? It's just very simple. Receive his forgiveness. Just say, okay, I, I accept that you forgive me. I accept that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins. I accept that. I accept that I'm forgiven. And then surrender your life and say, you, God, be the ruler of my life and just surrender. This could be the greatest Christmas of your life, making peace with your creator. Maybe we could just have a quiet moment here in this room, just as if it's just us and God. Would you just take a second and, and just bow your heads and close your eyes where wherever you're seated. And just take a moment. It's just you and God here for a second. Maybe he's tugging on your heart and you sense that he's, he's, he's saying it's time. It's time to make peace. 
it's time today to say, you know what, I'm done running. I'm done doing this life my own way. I want to make peace today. Is that you? Are you ready to just receive what Jesus did to forgive you? Here's what I want to ask you to do. No one's looking around. Everyone's heads bowed and eyes are closed. If that's you today, you want to say, I, you say, I want to make peace with God, then here's what I want you. I want you to just do a bold step. In just a second, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. But if you're saying, I'm stepping over the line, I want to make peace with God today. I want to leave here knowing that things are right between God and me. Then I just want to ask you to do a, a bold step. No one looking around. I just want to ask you, would you just raise your hand? I'm going to just pray with you in just a second. No one's looking around. If that's you, you say, I want to make peace. Just lift up your hand right there and you can put it back down. I see it. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Amen. Anybody else, you say, this is, tonight's my night. I, I need to make it right with God. He's forgiven me. Just slip your hand up. Praise God. Praise God. If that was you, let me just lead you in this simple prayer. Just say this quietly in your heart to God. Just say these words. God, Thank you for wanting to make peace with me. Thank you for purchasing peace for me through Jesus, for sending that shepherd ruler to bring me peace. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. I surrender my life. You're the king. You're the ruler. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out our other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak with somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call us at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.